Uh, good morning or afternoon, still getting used to that. Um, with our Bibles open, the text that will be the center of our attention today is verse 18. Having described for us, laid out for us the various pieces of the armor of God, having challenged us and charged us to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Paul concludes by saying in verse 18, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Father in heaven, we pray right now for you to come and stir within us, O Lord, by your spirit, a spirit of prayer. Father, we pray that you would help us to pray. We pray that you would help us to pray more. We pray that you would help us to pray more with more faith. We pray that you would help us to pray more with more faith, with all perseverance. For there is a fight to fight. There is a battle to wage. There is an enemy on the attack. Give us grace, O oh Lord, to hear your voice this morning and respond to it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Back in the day, I coached my son Joel's junior high basketball team. Many of you know Joel, now one of the pastors over at Covenant Fellowship. Well, there was a day when uh, Joel was not shaped the way he is right now. Um, rather muscular now, rather, well, just we'll just say um, short and soft was more the more the more the condition of the man back in the day. And I had the uh, enjoyment of coaching Joel and his team. And there was this one particular game where we were behind by two points with just a matter of a few seconds left in the game. So I called a timeout and I set up a play. And on this particular occasion, I felt that Joel was the one to take the last shot of the game. The play was run, Joel was open, he took his shot, and it was the loudest brick hitting a rim that you've ever heard, bounced off, didn't even go near going in to the basket, and Joel was devastated. And in a second of time, I had to turn from coach to dad, and I spent who knows how many minutes trying to console the poor guy for, uh, in his view, having blown the game and lost it for his team. I continued my efforts for some time as I led him and the team outside into the dark, wintry night back to the school van. I hopped in the driver's seat and we drove off toward home. When two or three miles down the road, one of the other guys on the team yelled out, Mr. Shorey, Where's Elliot? I had forgotten our third son, Elliot, 
who had come along as kind of a team mascot for the occasion. And in that moment, I realized that I had left him behind at this strange school, which was located kind of off in the woods somewhere. And it was dark. And for all I knew, he was there alone, or at best, there with a stranger. Needless to say, I did not obey the speed limit going back to the school. But here was the deal. I had no phone. He had no phone. There was no way of contacting each other. There there was no way for him to call out. No way for him to ask for help for his father to come for him. You can be sure that he wished he had the ability to call out in such a way that his dad would hear. But it wasn't there. I think he recovered all right, apart from that kind of nervous twitch that he's had ever since. (laughs) There was another time, yes, there was another time. And those of you who are thinking self-righteously right now, like, how could a dad do this to his kids? You try having six children. (laughs) All right, you try doing it, okay? Well, the reality was that there was another time. There actually were more than one other time, but we'll just go with one other right now. When When I left another son at home alone, only he was five years old. Due to a major brain freeze on my part, this poor five-year-old woke up to an empty house one Saturday morning. Uh, This time, however, when it dawned on me that that little David was home alone, uh, I had a phone. He had a phone. We called, we connected, and we talked all the way home. In that moment, there was comfort, there was help in his ability to connect to his dad. Brothers and sisters, it is really important. It really matters when you see that you are in a place of danger, when you see that you are in a place of need, when you see that you're in a place of loneliness, when you see that you're in a place of despair, it is really important, it really matters that you have someone who can help you with whom you can speak in the moment wherever you are and can receive his help. It is significant, brothers and sisters, that Paul draws the Ephesian letter to a close. And as he does, he concludes a section on spiritual warfare by calling us to arms, by calling us to prayer. The one thing we can do in the war zone of life at all times, no matter where we are, the one thing we can always do is connect to our God. Paul has told us time and again in Ephesians that prayer matters. In fact, in six chapters, there's at least seven times when Paul calls attention to prayer. That's significant. 
There's at least 24 verses in this short letter that are committed to either what Paul prays for or what he encourages us to pray for. You see, if you live the kind of life that Paul lived, and if you live the kind of life that God has called us to live in this broken world, prayer is what you do. Prayer is what you must do. Because it is not long that you live in this world before you realize that there are forces at work and powers at work and dangers in play that are greater and stronger than we are that demand that we have connection to somebody who is greater and stronger than they are. And so Paul says, on top of all the armor of God, be always praying. Always pray. We need the armor of God. We need plans. We need strategies. We need efforts. Chapter 2 has said that we must do good works. You know, there's all kinds that we need to do. But at the end of the day, we cannot get anywhere or accomplish anything unless we pray. We cannot see the blessing of God unless we ask God for that blessing. You ever wonder why it's so hard to pray? Why it's so easy to forget prayer? Why you can do everything it seems except pray? I'm here to tell you this morning it's because the enemy knows. The enemy knows that if he can get us to do everything except pray, then he has us where he wants us. Samuel Chadwick has written, Satan dreads nothing but prayer. His scheme is that activities be multiplied, that prayer may be ousted, and that organizations be increased, that prayer may have no chance. Souls may be lost in good works as surely as in evil ways. That's a profound statement. The one concern of the devil is to keep the saints from praying. He fears nothing from prayer-less studies, prayer-less work, prayer-less religion. He laughs at our toil and mocks at our wisdom, but trembles when we pray. Trembles when we pray. Because prayer connects us to God. And prayer calls down the power and the grace of God into our lives, Satan trembles when we pray. When we pray the kind of prayer that Paul instructs us in here, what John Bunyan, the author of Pilgrim's Progress, calls all prayer. Praying at all times, Paul writes, with all prayer and supplication, with all perseverance for all the saints. Notice the emphasis. Notice the repetition. All times, all prayer, all perseverance, all the saints. So I'm calling this message, all prayer, a call to arms. All prayer, a call to arms. And notice, folks, that in teaching us about spiritual warfare, there is a noticeable lack. This is just a side note, but in light of much teaching that is very popular in certain circles, I think it's important just to notice this. There's a noticeable lack of spiritual formulas or 
incantations and such like when it comes to spiritual warfare. Even though we are up against dark, demonic forces, the armor and the weapons that we're giving to do battle don't include anything like the magical or the mystical. There's no smoke, there's no incense, there's, there's no exorcistic formulas. There's no special words, no spiritual commands, no supernatural rites and ceremonies. What is it? Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Wear the belt of, of truth. Secure on your feet the shoes of gospel peace. Carry in your hands the shield of faith. Put on your head the, the helmet of salvation. Wield the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And in all of it, pray. Pray. And so we, so we conclude uh, this t- that text and these studies with, with this statement. This is what Paul wants us to hear. We cannot face Satan's attacks We cannot face Satan's attacks in the war zone that we call life. We cannot face Satan's attacks in the war zone we call life without active prayer. Through which we connect to God and receive his help. We we cannot face Satan's attacks in the war zone we call life without active prayer through which we connect to God and receive His help. Let's look at this text, primarily just one verse this morning, verse 18. And I want us to, under two broad headings, look at Paul's teaching on prayer. The, The manner of our prayer, and then the means enabling our prayer. So the manner, that is how to pray, and then the means that enable our prayer. So in looking at the text, there are actually four encouragements that God gives to us through the Apostle Paul to help us in the how of our prayer. Here they are. Number one, we need to continue without stopping. We need to continue without stopping. Look at verse 18 at the beginning. Praying at all times times. At all times. Paul, Paul speaks, first of all, he uses a term and he puts it for you grammarians out there. He makes it a present participle, praying. That means doing it now and in an ongoing kind of way. Praying. Be praying. In the Christian life, it shouldn't be, well, I prayed. It should be, I am praying. I am praying. Praying, notice what he says, at all times. Now, he doesn't say all the time, as if we could be praying every second of every day in a conscious kind of way, but at all times, meaning in all of the circumstances, in all of the seasons, in all of the dynamics and times of life, be praying. Make sure that you continue without stopping. Make sure that you never stop praying. Well, let me, I want to give you two hints on how to do that. Hint number one is set your clock to pray. 
Then hint, uh, hint number two is set your heart to pray. Set your clock to pray. It's very interesting in Scripture that there were appointed times for prayer. And, and the, the basic rhythm for it that we find in Scripture is what? Morning, noon, and night. Morning, noon, and night. So morning, midday, evening. Morning, midday, evening. Other times to pray. But in terms of the basic, what God seems to commend in His Word is that there are times set apart for prayer. In Acts chapter 2, we read about the early church. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. It's a reference not just to prayer, they were devoted to prayer, but to the prayers, to the prayer times. And so in chapter 3, Peter's going into the temple, I think at 9 o'clock to pray. In chapter 10, Cornelius at 9 o'clock is praying. There are appointed times to pray. Simple recommendation. You can do this however the Spirit of God leads you to do it. But I encourage, we encourage, the Bible encourages that there be times in which you pray. Set your clock for this. And if you start modestly, 10 minutes each time, 10 minutes in the morning, 10 at midday, 10 in the evening, that's 30 minutes of prayer each day. 30 minutes in which you are communing with God. Set your clock to pray and you will never stop praying. The second thing we need to do, I think, is to set our heart to pray. Did you, did you notice the language here in verse 18? Paul says, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert. Paul is saying, have your heart poised and ready to pray. Never be sluggish. Never be drowsy. Don't doze off. Walk through life, spiritually speaking, with your, your phone in your hand and your finger on the speed dial for 911. Keep your hand, your heart right there. So that no matter what happens, no matter what the time, no matter what the moment, you are ready to pray. Set your heart to pray. Don't doze off. Don't get sluggish. Don't get lazy. Don't get distracted. Life is full. Every day is full of need to pray. We need to stay alert to pray. So set your clocks and then set your heart. And that will enable you to continue praying without stopping. Secondly, we need to ask without doubting. We need to continue without stopping. We need to ask without doubting. I'm struck in verse 18 with Paul's repetition. He actually uses uh, two separate words for prayer. First of all, he just says, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer. Same Greek family of words there. Referring to asking. You know, ask. And then he uses the word supplication, which refers to petitions, to very specific requests. What God wants us to do is to ask. In one way, it's that simple, isn't it? Just ask. 
We do this with our kids sometimes. Just ask. Just ask. God's saying, just ask. Prayer is asking. Prayer is more than that. Prayer is confession as, as we did together as a congregation earlier in song and in prayer. It's confession. It's, it's worship. It's, it's declaring in, to the Lord His greatness and His glory. It's, it's thanksgiving. It's thanking God for all the many blessings. It is praise, praising Him for who He is and what He has done. It is all of those things, but it is also asking. God wants us to be an asking people. And the implication is is that we're asking without doubting, that we're asking because we believe that our God has what we need. We're we're asking because we believe we have a source. We We have someone with all power, with all the resources, with all the ability, who is on our side, who is for us in the battle. All we need to do is ask without doubting. Are you an asking people? Are we? And asking people. I was, I was thinking about this this week. Here's, here's, here are things I ask for from my Heavenly Father. I, I ask for the uh, salvation of my children. For I still have children that don't know and love Jesus. I ask God to do a work that only He can do. I ask for health and strength for the work that he's given me to do. I, I, ask, I ask that the owner of 4202 Rosemont Avenue in Drexel Hill accepts Galen's and my offer on their house <laughs> that we made yesterday. I, <laughs> I ask God... I ask God to move their hearts to grant us this. I, I ask God for grace to listen and learn and love across the lines that divide. I ask God to help us, to help those of us who lead Risen Hope as there are 15 to 20 different nationalities and ethnicities in our congregation. Oh Lord, help us to build that which will be deep and enduring in its unity. I ask God that there would be wisdom to help our church not just tolerate our cultural differences, but to celebrate them and to rejoice in them. I ask God to rescue and strengthen all of our marriages. All of them. I ask God for a building that will be a permanent home for Risen Hope Church. I ask God for more of the gifts of the Holy Spirit among us. So that all the gifts in all of their varied forms and dynamics would be evident among us that especially the gift of prophecy would flourish so that in public and in private there would be the blessing the encouragement the comfort the strengthening of these gifts in people's lives i i ask god for peace and unity in this crazy political season 
that no matter how strongly we might disagree with each other on various issues, we will not give up our unity in the body of Christ. The Father says, ask. He says, ask. What are you asking for? What are the spiritual battles going on in your life? Where's the war zone hot for you? Be praying at all times with all prayer and supplication. Be an asking people. Next, endure without fainting. So we, we are con- continue without stopping, ask without doubting, endure without fainting. Notice verse 18 again. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. I, I get the feeling that Paul is trying to be emphatic here. He's, he says all perseverance. That means keep on keeping on. Don't quit in it. He, he says be alert. He says at all times. I, I, I draw the conclusion that we are called to pr- pray right away and all the way. That, the, that it's just the way of life. Right now, whatever is going on, again later and again later, and until the end of the journey, let's be praying our way right into glory. Let's just be praying our way right into heaven. Let's not quit. Let's not be faint. Asking very often requires persevering. I I don't know why God does it this way. I don't understand the mysteries of providence, that is, God's governance of His world, of His universe. I don't understand the mysteries of God's ways. I don't understand why it is that virtually always there is a waiting time between our need and the fulfilling of that need. But there almost always is. And that's why Jesus said men ought always to pray and not lose heart. Luke 18 and verse 1. Do do you know what it is? To pray over the long haul for something? Do you you know what it is to have to keep asking for something? I I was thinking about this this week. It gets discouraging. There are times we say, how long, O Lord? How long, O Lord? And there there were, as I thought about it, I realized that there were at least a half a dozen massive longings of my heart that I have been praying for for decades. I long to be without a headache. I haven't been without a headache for almost 28 years. I have prayed thousands of prayers, as have many others for me. But the headache continues all day, every day. How long? God says, pray with all perseverance. So I keep praying. I long for the salvation of my kids. That means I've been praying for 37 years that my children would come to know Jesus. I I long for the salvation of other loved ones that I could name. I've been praying for 30, 35, 40 years for them. 
I long for the ending of this world's killing of the unborn. Oh, that the bloodshed would end. Many of us have been praying for 30, 40, 50 years. I long for the reconciling of the races in the church of Jesus Christ. Praying for 20, 25, 30, some of you a whole lifetime. Longing for unity and peace and harmony and understanding. How about the coming of Christ? The church has been praying for that for 2,000 years. And our God says, pray on, pray on, endure without fainting. For there's going to come for each of those, and I don't know the mysteries of God's ways, but there's going to come for each of those, that moment, that tipping point, that, 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 that second when it all comes together and the time arrives, and the time arrives. Keep on praying. Keep on praying. Don't quit. Endure without fainting. The enemy wants to douse the flame of your prayer with buckets full of his evil water just to douse it all. Don't let the enemy touch your place of prayer. Stay at it. Because It is not pointless. God our Father has promised to us that He will hear us when we pray. And God does not lie. God our Father has promised to us that He will give us everything we need. And God does not lie. God has promised that if we will wait on the Lord, He will renew our strength. We will soar on wings like eagles. We will run and not be weary. We will walk and not faint. God has promised sufficiency and grace and help for every battle. And it will come to us. It may not come to us as we might hope or have thought it was going to come to us. But it will come to us. It will come to us. Look, if you have been a believer for longer than 38 seconds... You have already experienced the sustaining grace of God. Never mind 38 years. If if you are in Christ, it is because God has entered your life. And God is sustaining you. And God is keeping you. And God will not fail you. Though all hell endeavor to shake. God says, I'll never, no, never, no, never forsake. This is who he is. And so we must endure without fainting. And then fourth, we must intercede without, I'm going to put it this way, without hoarding. I don't know about you, but I have times in my life when my prayers are pretty selfish. It's about me. (laughs) Lord, please give me this and me that. Notice, notice, What Paul says here in verse 18, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. This is a call to two things, to unselfish prayer and impartial prayer. Paul is saying, don't just pray for yourself. 
Pray for all the saints. And just don't just pray for your kind of saint. Pray for all the saints. Have a prayer life that is consciously expanding. It moves from your own personal heart and needs and spiritual battles. It moves out to family. It moves out to community group. It moves out to church. It moves out to family of churches. It moves out to neighbors, to town, to county, to world. Pray locally. Pray pray cross-culturally. Pray globally. Pray universally. Just, Just pray. Pray for all the saints. And and while we're at it, Paul says, he encourages us to pray for those who are on the front lines of gospel ministry. That's what verses 19 and 20 are about. I I think I heard as Danette read this this morning that she she caught this, this, this amazing transition, just subtle but strong. He says at the end of verse 18, make supplication for all the saints and also for me. There's just something very, very personal in that transition. But it wasn't just pray for me that I'll be happy. What does he ask for? Pray also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak as we are praying in the midst of our spiritual warfare, let's be praying for those that are on the front lines of that warfare. Those that are taking the gospel where it hasn't gone before. Let's be praying for Saturday and Upper Darby Community Day. Let's be praying as there are those on the front lines going, seeking to reach people for Christ in our community. Let's be praying for them. Let's be praying for missionaries. Let's be praying for our sovereign grace gospel partners around the world. Let's let's be praying and praying and praying. And let's be praying for all the saints, all God's people in this place. So as we pray, continue without stopping, ask without doubting, endure without fainting, intercede without hoarding or favoring And you hear all of that and you say, that sounds like hard work. How in the world can I do all of that? Well, this is where we need to see quickly, but we need to see it personally and with faith. The means enabling our prayer. We've seen seen the manner of our prayer, but how do we do this? And I would summarize it from the book, this text and the book of Ephesians like this. We pray in the Spirit, through Christ, according to the Word. In the Spirit, through Christ, according to the Word. Verse 18, Paul says, praying at all times in the Spirit. With the Spirit's help, with the Spirit's enabling power and grace functioning in your life. Don't just do it mechanically. Don't just do it rotely. Pray in the Spirit. Be responsive. When the Spirit of God prompts you to pray for someone or something, pray. Pray. And when the Spirit of God gives you faith, there are times, aren't there, where one of the gifts of the Spirit is the gift of faith. And gifts of faith, as I understand them, 
are, there are times when the Spirit of God so speaks to our hearts, so speaks to our minds, so speaks to our faith that he, he shows us that not only can God do this, but God is going to do this. Now, don't get me wrong. You can pray believing prayers without knowing that God will do it. Remember the time when Jesus met someone and, and uh, do you believe? He said, and she, I, the person said, I, I believe you can do this. And that was enough for Jesus to go on. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Remember the king was about to throw him in the fiery furnace and the three Hebrew teenagers, they say to the king, what? He said, king, we're not bowing to your image. You can throw us in the furnace. Our God is able to deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow. That's faith in God's ability, even though they didn't know his will in the moment. There's faith both ways, but there are times when in the Spirit, the Spirit says something to us in our prayer so that a faith in God's ability to do it is transformed into a faith that God is going to do it and powerful things happen. Prayer in the Spirit is prayer where the Spirit prompts it, where the Spirit gives gifts of faith, where the Spirit informs our prayers. He, he guides us to know what to pray and how to pray. And there are times when the Spirit just takes our ignorant and our groaning prayers and He just takes them and translates them and takes them up into the presence of God the Father, offers them to the Father. This is Romans chapter 8. The Spirit intercedes. He helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. I don't know about you, but I have so many times in my life when I don't know what to ask, what to pray for. When my heart is groaning, when my spirit is weak, and all I can do is say, Lord, help. And the Spirit of God takes that and in the mystery of the Trinity, he, he transforms that and translates that and, and turns it into a meaningful prayer and brings it to the Father. And the Father hears it as if it's a prayer offered by the Spirit of God himself. And the Father answers. Paul says, pray in the Spirit. Through Christ. Through Christ. Or in chapter 2, we have learned already that we have access to the Father through the blood of Jesus. That's why we pray in Jesus' name, right? Did you know that? Why do we... When Christians pick up that habit, it's not in the Bible that I can see, you know, that you pray in Jesus' name. Amen. But there's a theological gospel root to that. And it's this, that we realize that as we approach God, we cannot approach God on our own. 
We cannot approach God with our own merit, with our own righteousness. And we must approach God with a sacrifice. I don't know if you have realized that. You read the Old Testament and you read about all the sacrifices that the people had to bring as they, as they went into the presence of God. And you may be tempted to think, wow, I'm glad I don't have to live in that time where you know, I have to bring a sacrifice. My friend, you still do. You still do. God is holy and you are not. You cannot. You cannot stand in the presence of God. You cannot have access to God without a sacrifice. Jesus is the sacrifice. Jesus died for your sins. Jesus atoned for you. Jesus washed away your sins. Nothing but the blood of Christ. You don't need a bull anymore. You don't need a cow anymore. You don't need a lamb anymore. You don't need a pigeon anymore. You have Christ, but you still need to come in Jesus' name. You need to come in His righteousness. You need to come through the blood of Christ. Come. Come. Come but always come through Jesus. We pray in the Spirit, through Christ, according to the Word. Sometimes the Spirit just prompts prayers within us, and sometimes it is just us on our knees, bowing our heads before God and praying. But I want to encourage you this morning to add to your prayer arsenal, if you will, uh, the praying of the Word. Nothing has helped my prayer life more than praying the Word of God. Nothing has created more consistency, more faithfulness, more uh, variety, more ongoing faith in my prayer life than praying the Word of God. What do, you, what do we mean by that? Well, you can, you can take pretty much any verse or section of the Bible and turn it into prayer. You can turn the genealogies into prayer. Do you know that? I challenge you to try it sometime. But you can. This is, how, this is how I pray coming out of the genealogies where you've got you know, 498 names in you know, 499 words. I mean, it's just, you know, and so-and-so begat, so-and-so. So, you know, this is, this is how I've prayed at different times. Oh, God in heaven, thank you that you are a God who remembers names. Thank you that you are a God who identifies your people by name. Thank you that the same God who recorded all these names has my name recorded. Thank you, Lord, for Enoch who walked with God. That's buried in the midst of a genealogy. Lord, help me to be like Enoch. Thank you for Jabez who prayed such big prayers. Lord, help me to pray those kind of prayers. Pray their genealogies. Thank you, Lord, for faithful men and women who have gone before on whose shoulders we now stand. Or... If you find that a little difficult to use Jesus' model prayer as your guide. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. There, there are six or seven petitions in that prayer. You could do one each day of the week. 
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. O Lord, may it be that your name that is now blasphemed and cursed and despised will soon be hallowed. Oh, may people treat you as holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty. May your name be reverenced and feared and loved instead of cursed. Or you could pray the Psalms. Donald Whitney says, there is a psalm for every sigh of the heart. And there is. Just pick any psalm and pray it. Turn it into your own. Not just reading or repeating the words, but applying it to your own heart and to your own life and to your own circumstances. Or you could pray the prayers of Paul. I love the prayers of Paul. In Ephesians, we've, we've read some, right? Throughout our study in this book, in chapter 1, he prays that the eyes of their heart would be enlightened so that they would know, they would know the hope of their calling. Oh, Lord, enlighten my eyes. Enlighten my children's eyes. Enlighten the eyes of the people in Risen Hope Church and in Upper Darby and Drexel Hill and beyond, Lord. Enlighten the eyes of your people so they would know the hope of your calling. Paul says that, that you may know the riches of the glory of your inheritance. Oh, Lord, help your people to know how rich they are. Even the world tries to convince them they're poor and they're nothing. Help them to know they have all things in Christ. Paul says, I pray that you would know the power that is at work in you. The same power that raised up Christ and seated him in the heavenly places. Paul says, I pray that God's people will know just how much omnipotence is resident in their life through God. Oh, that you would have power. Oh, that God's people would have power over their addictions, power over their bitterness toward their spouse, power over their laziness, power over the pornography, power over their weakness, power over their greed, power over their envy, power over all these things. Oh Lord, show them, show us, show me, show my children, show my grandchildren the power that is at work in us. Just praying the word. It's amazing what happens. God's word informs our prayers. It's a lot easier to pray according to the will of God <laughs> when you're praying the word of God. So these are ways to move forward. What are the means? Well, the means are we pray in the spirit through Christ according to the word. May God make us a people of prayer. Many wonderful things are happening around us and among us, but it is only as God works. It is only as God brings in the increase and the harvest. It is only as God pours out his grace that this will last, that this will endure to his glory and our joy. So let us be Strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. Putting on the whole armor of God and praying at all times, at all times.
in all perseverance, in all circumstances, for all the saints. Let's pray. Father, would you please, would you please make us a people of prayer? Those who pray much, pray hard, pray without fainting or quitting. In Jesus' name, amen. We have a gift for you as you leave today. It's